0: Well, good morning. <clears throat> Sorry, I did not know when we were putting the preaching schedule together uh, for the semester that this Sunday would be as interesting for me um, as it is. Um, just as in case any of you that weren't here last week, the announcement was made that Lauren and I are moving uh, to Detroit, Michigan to continue on, just the mission of the church in a different place. And um, it's kind of a bittersweet moment. I appreciate just some of the words of encouragement that we have, we have gotten from many of you. Um, some have been super excited for us, and some have been just angry at us, and that's fun. Um, uh, and I think the best way to maybe describe just the situation is it's obviously something that's, I think in hindsight especially, some parts in the middle we just see how God's been working and moving um, us towards this and uh, there is a peace, uh, there is a peace for us just about the future, uh, and uh, that's that's good. But man, it's bittersweet, as this has just been the community um, that we've grown up in so many different ways. And um, I just appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this community, to get to serve you all, and be a part of the leadership at this church. And um, just as kind of we've <clears throat> come towards this kind of decision and making this all official, it's oh man, I mean, you know how that is. It's, just been, it's been a topsy-turvy thing for me, just trying I'm, that same question that we've all asked. is like, God, what do you want to do through me? What, what's next? And um, it was funny how there was, there was kind of one moment in August, especially contentment, and um, I had a lot of restlessness about some different things, and I just felt a real contentment about what God was doing and about being here. <laughs> and um, it was during that time, I was listening to a podcast or <clears throat> reading a book or something like that, and for whatever reason, um, I, I wrote this kind of statement came to my mind of maybe what I would say is a, a personal mission statement, and this really does kind of undergird what everything I do, um, the, my approach to things, and it was just a simple statement that, um, I, I, that was my, I guess, mission or my goal in life is to create and facilitate environments for people to journey and pursue Jesus. And in everything I've, I've done, um, that's kind of even my approach to worship, it's just about helping create an environment for us to engage with God. And um, as I wrote that in the clarity of that moment and the contentment of that moment, it was just a little bit less than a month later that there was a position that was texted about a position that said, hey, I want you to think about coming and being a discipleship pastor. You'll be the director of adult environments. <laughs> and I thought, Huh. Well, I guess I better at least pay attention to this. And that brings us to this point um, today. And so I'm not going to just get all nostalgic this entire time and just kind of talk about what was, um, I have a message to share, but I at least wanted to share some personal comments because once again, it has been a joy to serve alongside each of you. And man, we're going to miss this place. This is, um, this is a holy place to us. And that's because of who you are, and what you've allowed God to do through you. <clears throat> ah, and so we get to continue on. We don't have to say goodbye yet, so I'm not starting to say goodbye today. Um, we've got a little over a month till December second, or last Sunday. <clears throat> so I do have a message for you. Um, I do have something that I want to share, and maybe today I just want to talk. Um, anyone that really knows me, I, I I love small groups. I love hanging out and. I can't mean talking around the table, and maybe the best that I can today, that's what I want to do with you, except for I guess I'll be the only one that talks. Um, But (laughs) uh, feel free to give me any feedback, I guess. Uh, But I I do have... um, a message that I, it's not something that I'm trying to—I want to I wanna wow you with or anything. There's just, honestly, I felt a weird sense of like tons of pressure and no pressure about this Sunday, because <laughs> in some ways it doesn't matter what I say. Um, but then, <laughs> and then um, it also there's there's just an opportunity and, and getting the opportunity to share with you our church family. I want to use that wisely, and and so my my prayer today is that um, this would be a message that's not going to wow you, but it will be a reminder of some things that I believe have great implications on the future of your life and the future of this church, because more than ever, I believe in the future of the church and the power of the church, and as we get to continue on that same mission that we've been doing here in a different place, I still believe in the mission of Kingsway. And as the elders and leadership are, are walking through kind of what's next, I'm excited for the opportunities that it's going to create. Some of that's going to be some heartache. Some of that's just going to be different. And just because we've, we've all seen how God works, especially in hindsight, I know that it will be good. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. So would you pray with me? And uh, <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll continue on. Lord, thank you for uh, your love for us and your power. Lord, as we just even earlier got to unite in song and praise you, Lord, as we each stood in maybe our different places on the mountaintop or in the valleys, some of us are going through the darkness and depression, and some of us have just been an exciting time and uh, many in between. And as we get to gather together under you and be unified Because of you, because of the cross, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we thank you for that. Would you speak now in these moments? Would you use my words? Uh, But Lord, I know that your message is not confined by my words, that in each heart this morning, in each, each mind, you will do more. And I pray that you would help each one of us to be attentive to that, to give you room, To realize that you are present, you are here, and you are speaking both through me and in spite of me. And I am so thankful for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, there was one day this past summer that uh, I was just down. I don't know. I'm, I'm someone that it's pretty easy to let my inadequacies, my failures speak pretty loud in my life. Um, and there's just a kind of a day that I was just pretty defined by that, and Lauren was working, and so I was at home with the kids, and we're, that's just fun in life. I mean, it, it was a good morning. I, I don't think they were too crazy, but you go through kind of the, the morning process, and oh, you know, just to get to that point where breakfast is on the table, and you're sipping coffee is a great moment, and um, we finished our meal, and Jude um, said, Daddy, you're going to do our devotion. Now, like, don't get any wrong ideas, we, there's a lot of things we try to do, um, uh, try, the, some disciplines as part of our family and some things, uh, that we try to be intentional, but at this point, I was completely unaware of us doing any type of morning devotional, and so apparently, my awesome wife had been reading through, um, some of the Bible with him and doing some different stuff, and like, oh, what's your devotional? What, what do you mean by this? And he went and got me this kid's Bible and brought it, showed me where it was, and, and once again, he, he never did this to me again <laughs> after this moment, so apparently we gave it up quick. Um, but, uh, and he opened to the story of, of Moses in the burning bush. And as I was sitting there kind of in all the, <laughs> the darkness and inadequacies and some of the fears of the future, um, it just hit me different. It just kind of hit me in, in a weird way, and uh, that's, that's what I want to... What I want to focus in on this morning. And maybe to catch you up before we get to that, that part, um, you know, the story of Moses, we know it so well, we've seen the old movies or the new movies, you know, we, we kind of get so inoculated to, to what it was, but um, even as uh, for some reason, again, maybe this Mila the other day she's telling the same story to us. And uh, but but you know, you know the story, so the Israelite people. They they had uh, grown up in the, in Egypt and they like as a good thing God had put them there um, through Joseph you know the guy with the many colors and all that stuff and um, they had they had grown and they had thrived in, in Egypt right you remember this until there was some power struggles there were some shifts in kind of who was ruling over Egypt. And all of a sudden, this new king that was in charge thought, wait, these people are multiplying like crazy. They have a lot of influence. So all of a sudden, they, there were some rules put in place that, I mean, sound crazy. Uh, they, they first of all told uh, the midwives that were helping the, these Israelite uh, mothers give birth to, to, to kill the babies, I just flat out said that. And then, and then after the midwives had a, such a great relationship with the Israelites, that didn't work out so well, so they just made a decree that all newborn boys would get thrown into the Nile River. I mean, I, I probably missed that part growing up as a kid. <laughs> didn't see that depicted on the flannel graph so well. And so then enters the story of Moses. His mom is pregnant and give his birth to a boy. And I can't imagine the fear in that moment, the excitement and the fear whenever you give birth to a boy that you know is destined to be killed. Um, but they tried their best and they had a plan and they hid the baby until uh, he was a certain age. Um, some think it was maybe around three months. And then what did they do? They, they made a boat out of like old school paper Pyrus, and they put them in the Nile River. I guess they technically did what they were supposed to do, a few little changes, and they let him go. Now, Miriam, the sister, followed along on the riverbanks, and I i mean, in, in my mind, it's, I haven't been to the Nile. I don't know what it looks like, but in my mind, I've always thought about it as just this super calm thing, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's a little crazier than that, which sounds even more nuts to put your baby in a river, in a boat made of paper, But Miriam watches until Moses floats down the river and reaches where? The palace. And Pharaoh's daughter comes out and sees this basket and finds this baby. Miriam watching over in the bushes. Man. So Pharaoh's daughter takes the baby out and says, I want to keep it. This is awesome. I, I, I'd be curious. I didn't really dig into all the historical context around that because that sounds kind of crazy. But I guess she's just Pharaoh's daughter, so she can do what she wants to do, uh, maybe. And but she says, no, this is mine. And then what happens next? Miriam steps out of the bushes and says, hey, do you do you need a nursemaid? Do you need someone to care for that baby? Do you need someone to breastfeed that baby? And Pharaoh's daughter is like, well, that's yeah, I do. Would you? And so then all of a sudden, how does the story work out? Miriam is taking her baby brother Moses back to Moses' mother. And Moses' mother is getting paid to take care of her own son. All of a sudden, Moses' mom let him go and he's back. That's awesome. I mean, just, just think of all these just crazy moments that have gotten to this point. And so then, and then, whenever the baby grows up, um, somewhere between probably two and four years old, so this, Moses' mom got two to four years with a son she thought would probably die. She had to give him back, and so Moses enters into Pharaoh's kingdom. The son, the grandson, adopted a Pharaoh brought in as an Egyptian son. He, he is given giving the, giving the very best education of the time. I mean, he learned everything. He, was, he had a destiny. Like, the, the power was within his grasp. But it sure seems like his time with his family, uh, Moses growing up, he had, he, had, he had been shown his real destiny. And that was the real God. And maybe what God wanted to use Moses' position of power for. And so Moses grows up. He gets, he's strong and he, all the education and through all that, he's been living in the, in the palace for such a long time. And he knows what his destiny is. He sees his people. He knows that he is an Israelite. And he does not take his position on high, lightly, he says, "No, I'm going to use this to help." So, what's his first thing that he does? <laughs> he sees an an Israelite slave being mistreated, and he thinks this is my chance. I'm going to start this now. And through the confrontation with this slave driver, he ends up killing him. Well, that didn't go quite like he had planned. Um, but you know what? He kind of does some things. He thinks it's under the radar. No one really knows about it until sometime later he's, he's out trying to, to be with his, his people, his Israelite people. And whenever he sees two Israelites disagreeing, he, he walks up on them and, and tries to help them out because, again, he, he knows that he has a destiny to save these people and to help them. That's what he's been positioned to do. And then they simply say, well, you're going to kill us like you killed the other guy? In that moment, he realized Oh, it's, it's not a secret. They know. And I have, we have just very few words in, in the Bible about what happened there, but uh, somehow he knew he was in trouble. <laughs> I don't know how quickly the words spread, but he knew, I have to get out of here. The gig is up. And he runs. And again, we don't know exactly how old he is, but um, many would place him right around even 40 years old. He runs 300 miles away from the place that he grew up, 300 miles away from, from really what he thought was his entire destiny. And, and he, meets, he meets these uh, lady shepherds, and you know that you can read about that. Uh, he ends up helping save them. And so they they end up inviting him back to their camp, and he marries one of them. And he has kids, and he settles down. What do you think are are the thoughts that are going through his head? Because to me, it sure seems like, or if I was in that position He's given up on the destiny that he thought he was promised. He thought that he was raised up for. He ran 300 miles away, and now he's trying to make the best of it. He thought he missed his chance. He wasn't good enough. All the expectations and the opportunity that were there for him, he failed. Now, I'm not saying anything that he gave up completely. As he tried to make the best of it. He started a family. He had a life. He got a and from, all, from everything I can see, it sure seems like he was good just to settle down there and go on with life, knowing that maybe, maybe he wasn't, that wasn't his destiny. And that's where the story of the burning bush comes in. I want to read this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. This was his job. The priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have re- has reached me. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and and they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. My prayer today is that as we hang out around the coffee table together, I want to highlight three messages that I believe God says to Moses, and I believe there's plenty of other passages that help bring that into context that he says to us today. Three messages three foundations for the future. For your future as an individual, as a family, but also for the future of Kingsway. And so here's the first thing, the first message. You are not done, the best is yet to come. You are not done, the best is yet to come. And I, I know this can sound like a you know, motivational poster with a cat hanging off of it or something like that but there's this is a message remember where Moses is coming from in this moment he thought he had peaked he thought he or just completely missed his opportunity I didn't do it right I screwed it up I, I can't get back there and what God speaks in this moment to him you're not done you're never done Exodus 3.10, now go, I am sending you. Well, what would that have felt like for Moses in the middle of that? I mean, he's just kind of ho-hum, going along with his day. You know, he'd probably been out for a while, maybe days with, with his sheep, and all of a sudden he, he comes across this weird sight, obviously, but what's even weirder is there's just this, this, this hope, these words of hope, a message that says, no, you're not done. There's something, there's something greater. In Philippians Philippians 1.6, Paul's prayer, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This is the message, the first message, the first, what does it say? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which he planned for us long ago. There's, there is a purpose. And it was just such a temptation. Just, you, we've all gone through different parts where we just feel like we missed it. We feel like we're, we're done. And maybe, maybe you feel like you're too old. Maybe you feel like you're too young. Maybe you lack the experience. I don't know what it is. But we hit so many times where there's just, we hit limits. Or we feel the limits of just reality, of our bank account, of our family situation, our place in life, our stage in life. But to go towards the temptation to think that we are done, that we no longer have something to offer, is to forsake what God is doing. Because any time we hit any type of limits, it only shows dependence on God's power. Anytime we are tempted to think that there is nothing for us, we are forsaking that it is not about us, but about God. I heard a preacher say some years ago um, to to the younger generations, it's so easy to, but underestimate what he wants you to do, wants to do for you in the future. And I believe that's so true because it's so easy to, to think you're too young to make a difference, but I don't care you have influence. You have influence to leverage. And this church needs that. Even though you will be called too idealistic, too different, and too crazy, this church needs the voice of the younger generation. It needs you to dream. It needs you to come up with those crazy things that... Even for me at times, some of the technologies that come out, I just have to admit I feel old. But be attentive to the perspective of those wiser than you. And maybe to some of you that are, that are older, uh, the thing that I probably hear more around here is don't overestimate the need to be cool or relevant, and underestimate that you have influence, you have a perspective. How many times it gets, whether it's just like the, the kids ministry that's going on right now, the youth ministry on Wednesday nights, or just the opportunities to engage with, with the youth or the children or the 20-somethings or the college-age students, that you, you, you take yourself out of that opportunity because you say, no, I'm too old, I'm not cool enough. And I believe that is yet another place that God is saying, you are not done. You have not grown too old to have an influence on those younger than you, more than ever, With your age and your experience, you are called to lean back in and to share and to influence. The resurrection of Jesus means there's always hope. The resurrection of Jesus means the best is always to come. Our bodies will break down, we'll make stupid decisions, we'll miss out on opportunities that, in hindsight, ah, wish wish I would have taken. But you are never done. I don't care what what the problem is that is going on, what your outlook is on the future, you are never done, and the best is yet to come because of the God that we serve. You are a promise, you are promised a purpose that will be sustained by God's presence. And that's the second foundation I want to give you today. You are not alone, God is with you. Remember I said I'm not trying to wow you. I, wanna, I just want to remind you of three foundations that I believe if you hold on to these, if you allow these messages to speak into your everyday life, it will change the future. God will do incredible things, not for your glory, but for his through you. And you are not alone, even though it's so tempting to think you are. I mean, if there's one big theme as, as we see through this scripture, It's that God is big through this this story of Moses. I mean, it it just comes back to who God is. That's what it's all about. He says, "I, I am who I am. Oh my goodness, you've probably heard whole sermons just unpacking that whole idea of I am, like the coolest name ever. And the fact is, like, you're not enough. You never will be enough, but God is. And it's his presence remind you of that and it's so easy to think of um, God's presence as a being and maybe an observation but it's like when I say you're not alone God is with you it's not an observation it's 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 a statement of fact it's a promise that if we forsake that promise we forsake so many other promises that God has given to us Uh, it says in Exodus 3.11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead people, out of, uh, people of Israel out of Egypt? And then God answered, what did he say? Say it out loud. I will be with you. Have you caught that part in the, in the Great Commission? Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go, I am sending you. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In John 14, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, that He is sending us a helper. To even more practically be with us and in us. God is present right now. God is present in your darkest moments. And it is so, so easy to feel isolated, especially if you're pursuing Jesus. I mean, can we just, like, if you're trying to do things that no one else around you is doing for the sake of pursuing Jesus, you're going to feel isolated. If you're trying, like, you're not trying to be weird, but sometimes in pursuing Jesus, it makes you feel a little weird. You're going to feel alone. And that's, that's one just huge plug for why we need a community of believers around us. Not only believers, but why we need a community that we can have those Me Too moments and we can say, yes, yeah, man, I'm struggling with that too, um, especially when we're, we're kind of changing maybe who we, who we used to be. It's easy to think of, of results as the evidence of God's presence, But the fact is the the results aren't always the way we want them to be, but God is still present, right? God is still present. Because we're called to faithfulness, not perfection. We trust him with the results and we choose to trust that he is present with us. God's presence will sustain you. It is God's presence that gives us the power to reach a purpose. Anybody that's uh, gone on a walk with a little kid or has a little kid, um, I, I remember, especially with Jude, all my kids do this, but um, especially Jude, our oldest, I just remember when he kind of got to that, you know, two years old where he was just walking around a lot. And um, do, you know, do you know what happens when you walk hand in hand um, with a kid around that age? A lot of things probably. But... Um, they become invincible. You notice this? Like, I'll, we'll come down the stairs. I do this now with Elijah in the, in the balcony. I'll be walking down the stairs with him. And if I'm not holding his hand, you know, he's, he's doing the little kid thing where he's gonna get down, go down backwards, which is the way we have taught him and the way he needs to go down because he's too crazy of a kid and he has lots of bumps and bruises. It's not our fault. But, um, <laughs> but you, you grab his hand and what's he do? He's not going for one stair. He's like, all right, I'm stepping to the bottom. And just all the way down. I mean, you know, you go on a hike with a kid, and all of a sudden they're kind of toddling along, and they grab your hand, like, I can go anywhere, right? You've done that. Just, there's just such a safety. There's such an excitement. There's just like almost a reckless abandon whenever they're holding their father's hand. And I get it that it's hard. It's so hard to, to feel like God is always present because, again, it doesn't always feel that way but we must hold on to this foundation. We must hold on to this promise. We must remind each other, not in like the the bumper sticker way or the the Facebook meme way that sometimes is just way too uh, awkward, way too cliche, but in real ways that God is present. That God is with you. There's one worship song that's out by Elevation Worship. It's called Won't Stop Now, and it's got this line in the chorus. It says, your presence, Lord, is an open door. And I love that outlook. Your presence, Lord, is an open door. You are not alone. God is with you. And the third foundation I want to give you is this. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. Think about the, like, the identity statement in just that first time when we were reading through Exodus 3, when, when God gets to that point and he says, like, hey, I've, I've see, I see the heartache. I see the oppression. I want to do something, and I am sending you. You, who thought you missed it, who, who when you look at your track record and you think it just doesn't match up to make any big difference, but I am sending you because you're not what you think about yourself. You are who I say that you are. Because the reality is, if you do not confront the lies that you and others say about yourself, you'll miss out on the full life you were created for. And, and this, this isn't a willpower thing. This, isn't so much, this is so much more than like repeating words that you wish were true about you. It's simply articulating and accepting what has already been said about you by your creator. Because it doesn't matter the opinions others have of you. It doesn't matter uh, your successes. It doesn't matter your accomplishments. It doesn't matter what your failures are. It doesn't even matter what you think or how you feel about yourself. It only matters. And God says that you are loved and that you are valuable that you have worth simply because you are his creation. And God says that if you are in Jesus, you are a whole new creation in no way defined by your past, in no way defined by your sin, but you have been set free to a whole new purpose. God says that you have been uniquely made, that you are his masterpiece. And even though you compare your weaknesses with other people's strengths and you think that you'll never match up and you aren't the right person for what's right in front of you, you are uniquely made. Your perspective and your personality, the giftings that you have, the level of gifting that you have, how you're growing in those different things that is who your Creator says that you are a masterpiece. 1 Corinthians 6.11, some of you were once like that. All those things that we probably think about ourselves, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. John 1.12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's, is who you are. I mean talking about finding your identity in Jesus, it feels it feels so intangible and kind of ambiguous, but it's really it's really something that's a lot less about like knowing and understanding and more just trusting. You know, and some of the things that people say about you, some of the things you think about you, they're fact. It's true. And the thing that we have to realize as we listen to the voice of our Heavenly Father, there is just a greater truth than what people say about you. And it's what your creator says. And for some of us this morning, the greatest battle of faith is not about believing what God said he will do. It's not about him moving the mountain in front of you. It's about believing what he has already said about you. We've, we've heard it said a lot, don't take God's name in vain. And you just have to wonder, what if taking God's name in vain is less about the tone and the context of how we say God or Jesus, and it's a lot more about how we choose to, to say that we are following Jesus that we we profess him as our Lord and Savior, that we've put our faith in him, but we live like we haven't. We live like we don't have value. We live like we don't have a purpose. Maybe maybe that's what it means more not to take God's name in vain, is to live in the identity that we have been saved to. When you accept and rest in who God says you are, Your relationships, your accomplishments, your job, your bank account, everything that you have is no longer about seeking affirmation and seeking value from others. You come from a place of fullness. You come from a place of abundance, no longer scarcity. Because you are who God says you are. And it's in that place you begin to discover your purpose. And most importantly, those times where you don't know what's next, you're fearful about the future, you're overwhelmed, it's when you rest in what God says that you discover that purpose. And my prayer is that today, that this message, this time, the things, even the parts you fall asleep, that this would be a burning bush of its own the sign you've been looking for, there are greater things in store and I truly, truly, truly believe that because what the burning bush says in part, the cross says in full, that you are who God says you are, that you are not alone, that you're never done. The best is yet to come. The cross lit the fire of a movement that we carry on today. We're a movement of people on mission, the church. and the future of this church, Kingsway, it has a lot less to do about staffing. It has a lot less to do about what's going on in the world of new, newest technology, new buildings. It's even got a lot less, lot less to do about what, what our floor looks like, although, fingers crossed, that's changing. But... <laughs> It looks good, it's, it's our own design. Uh, no, it's, it's all about us, it's about you, the church, choosing to hang on to these foundations, and, and it's a lot less about like Sunday morning and more about Monday morning, how you choose to live from these foundations. That any, any type of limit just reminds you of, of God's power and our need for him, that you are never done, the best is yet to come. He's got great things in store. Every moment and every day is a choice to what message you will believe and the foundation you will live from. And here's here's just the final thought because this is what it all, all hangs on. The voice you believe will determine the future you experience. The voice that you believe each day, each moment, Right now, this year, in times of transition, in times of peace, in times of turmoil, the voice that you believe determines the future you experience. And just like Moses, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. God has some awesome things in store as we choose to tune into those messages, and those promises, and those foundations that he is saying to us. Would you pray with me?